in Cambodia, that's something we experienced was the when I first got there, um, somebody told me, like, hey, if you if you feel like you want to go speak, if you want to do this, if you want to do that, feel free. Like, there's nothing you can do to mess this up. That was not the what I had come from. So I think that was something that we learned there. It's like, it's okay to have, you're not trying to create mess, but people, people do that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And when you, and when they do, you, it's a discipleship thing. It's life. People mess up, people make mistakes, whether that be in their personal life and ministry stuff. Nothing is, um, what, what does it say about our systems if they're so fragile that they can just be broken because we put someone in a position that maybe they weren't fully ready for or they said something the wrong way or whatever it's um that was something that we really challenged welcome everyone to another episode of the communitas podcast really excited to uh, be on the zoom machine today uh, with a dear friend, but relatively new one, a guy I met just a couple of years ago as uh, he and his wife, Ashley, were onboarding to Communitas. I am with David Troutwine. David, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I was so inspired by your story that I learned a couple of years ago. And there's so many areas that we can go into, both what you're doing now back here in the States to what you were doing overseas in Cambodia um, so there's just so much for us to talk about, but why don't you start with giving us just kind of a general overview of your story and, you know, growing up in the church, how you ended up in Cambodia, all that kind of stuff. And we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I grew up going to church kind of, you know, church every Sunday type of thing. Um, I got connected with Cambodia. Uh, I had done a couple short term trips and, uh, Cambodia plays a unique role in my story. Uh, my brother actually wanted to do a trip, a short-term trip to Cambodia. I ended up going with him. I think I was about 20. And uh, on that trip is sort of where I dedicated my life to the Lord and um, kind of realized that I had never really followed the Lord. And so I, that's sort of where I started my journey and then came back home, felt like I was called to ministry, so I started going to Bible college and interning at, at a local church, that type of thing. And, and then kind of later on in life, Ashley and I got married 2015. And in 2017, we moved to Cambodia. Mm. And we were there for three years. Um, in Cambodia, we typically were working with local church plants uh, outside of the city. We called them city churches. Uh, the idea was kind of like hubbing. Yeah. Uh, so we worked with hub churches and uh, typically they'd be planting churches outside of the city uh, or the town. Uh, we call them cities, but they're not really cities. There's just sure. kind of like more more towns. And so we, we loved it. We felt like we found our groove. I, I think it was maybe the first time in my life where I was feeling like ministry, uh, like I found my niche, I found, I was able to operate in my giftings and my calling and it felt easy, uh, not easy, but easier maybe than I had experienced. Mm -hmm. And in March, 2020, we came home for my grandpa's funeral. Uh, he had passed, I think in February. And so we came back thinking it was going to be a two week trip, um, turned out to be quite a bit longer. 
COVID sort of made its debut. We got the call one day while we were back for that two-week trip that the borders were going to close. Now, if we were going to get back in, we needed to head to the airport pretty much right away. Uh, we were at the beach when we heard about it. and But we thought, you know, it's only going to be two weeks. We'll just stay put. And we were like, well, yeah, we... Yeah, it's only two weeks. Like, I know it feels like a lot, but it's two weeks. It'll go by fast. And we're actually transitioning, getting something <laughs> new started. So we were excited to get back, but we thought, hey, it's just two weeks. And two weeks became two more weeks, became two months, became longer and longer and longer. And so uh, while we were here, we experienced, especially in the beginning, we were very disoriented, trying to figure out what was going on. Um, at least once we got past that, that phase of, oh, we're just waiting to go back. Once it started to feel like, oh, wait, we're, we're kind of here right now. What does that mean? Um, I had a lot of trouble reintegrating into church life and I was trying, I tried to volunteer. I tried to, um, kind of plug myself back in, but some of my old ways of being in, in places that I had worked previously, it just had a, for a lot of different reasons, I just had a hard time feeling like I fit and was really frustrated with the Lord. And I remember praying things like, why did you even let me experience what we experienced in Cambodia if you were just going to bring me back here to take that away from me? Mm. And I, I felt like I had found kind of the freedom in, in who I am and how I got to be and felt like that was taken. Um, but the Lord didn't leave me there. He started to unpack what it meant to, to be back and what we were going to do at that point, we just looked at it as what we're going to do in the meantime. Started looking around and seeing a lot of our friends were detaching from church. Uh, we felt detached, and I wasn't that interested in attaching. Um, actually, I had some conversations where I was just like, I can't go back to sitting in services right now. I gotta just, I just need to give myself space. And looking around at at our friends, looking at just what's happening culturally, just started to be prayerful about what. A response would look like to that and how we can walk with people in all that stuff that had been stirred up through COVID. And, uh, you know, it was an eventful 2020 in America. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on and a lot of things had come to the surface. And so, uh, for us and for the people in our community. And so we were just started to pray about what a response would look like there and, and just praying for God to show us what he was doing. And, felt like we started to see some things that he was up to and just started jumping in with what we saw. And that's what we've been doing ever since. So. Cool. Well, I look forward to talking more about that. Um, so you're a young married couple and you go off to Cambodia, which is <laughs> quite a cultural shift. Um, so I, I can imagine all the things there, but it sounds like you were flourishing there to a certain extent. Um, Let's let's talk about re-entry into the United States. Like, was it was it the culture you experienced in Cambodia that made that difficult to come back to kind of what always was? Or how would you describe that? Or or even what did you what did you discern your friends were going through when you came back? It opened our eyes to some things. I mean, Cambodians one are very communal and just do life together. Yeah. Uh, they do that very well. Mm. And so um, I think while we were there, we were, I, I even wrestled with, um, just, you know, sometimes just seeing how the Western model has been imposed maybe yeah, and how they're, 
what, what it felt to me at times where that was being forced when what what they naturally do very well was you know community and they do discipleship very well and we were sometimes trying to force services and ways of doing things that um didn't feel like a, a great fit and that part wasn't really working very well but but who you know so we kind of started to see you know because we, we would do things like um there'd be whatever a service that had four or five people sitting in it where maybe 10 to 15 were serving there was a music you know there's so there's like all of the jobs and the music director and the the pastor of the day and then the mc and we had and it was just like there's only four people here and they they're just watching everybody run around it's just kind of awkward but um there you know that model was what they were taught to do in this context and uh so you know seeing things like that it, it kind of made us step back and it felt obvious that the model here wasn't maybe a perfect fit and then it just got us asking questions about like oh but why do we do these things and is this always a good fit like look what's working and what's not and so it kind of forced us to ask ourselves some questions and you know seeing things play out differently causes us to question and, and think through our own um upbringing experiences ways of doing ministry so i think i think it was just a combination of a lot of different things um but but seeing people who do life together and the fruit of that of discipleship life on life discipleship even though I, we knew that that was the case, I think experiencing experiencing it a little bit more frequently, uh, it it definitely caused us to reflect when we got back. Um, what we saw our friends happening with our friends, I mean, it, it it's like we use the word destruction, not de destruction, uh, deconstruction, and it just means so many different things to different people. So it's hard to it's hard. Some to it say. does mean destruction. Our friends. Yeah, if I say my friends were, yeah, no, it, it's exactly right. Um, it means tear everything down and let's burn it all to the ground. And who cares what happens after that? It's like that's the place to burn everything down. That's that that's out there, but we found that that's not typically what was happening. Yeah. Um, I kind of think of it as, like, I don't know if it, if it was like this for you, but the first time I processed my family of origin, there was a lot of feelings that came up. Mm -hmm. um, and in that moment, it was sometimes hard to see the good. It was easy to be angry, upset, frustrated. Wait, this is a, oh, this is why, this is the reason I'm the, I, I'm like this. Like I had to, I had to put up with that, you know. Right. And and I almost feel like it was maybe in Christian culture, it's one of those times where so many for the first time are unpacking their family of origin when it comes to church in a way. Yes, the church of origin. What what happened? what oh this happened and this wasn't okay but everyone said it was okay and everyone acted like it was normal but it wasn't and so i think a lot of you know a lot of questions that people have that were never fully answered for whatever reason now there's an empowerment to ask those questions and um i don't know if it's because our culture is also challenging yeah church and so people feel maybe empowered for that but you know, a lot of unresolved doubt, a lot of unresolved questions, and and a lot of it feels really valid, though. As I sat down with people, it's like, yeah, it makes sense why you're deconstructing. Like, you've been through a lot, and a lot of things have happened to people that aren't aren't okay. And so, as we 
as we got into different people's stories, we started to realize that the word deconstruction means a lot of different things. Yeah. And it often makes a lot of sense why people are there. That's right. And I was there. Sure. <laughs> well, yeah. And I, I find it fascinating in a certain sense uh, in that, yes, this is a phenomenon that we're seeing or at least recognizing and giving name and credence to, right? Um, but this whole this whole concept of one growing either in maturity or in faith or in belief or all those things, I mean, that's been happening since mankind existed, right? So it's not as if deconstruction is itself this new, oh my gosh, what are we going to do with this? Um, I think what's happening for us now, thankfully, is that we are, as people of faith, opening ourselves up to saying, we're going to meet you right there. And yeah, let's yeah. let's wrestle. Because the pat answers that you were given as a kid, don't they don't hold up. So let's find out what does hold up. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a lot of, you know, I, I think a lot of people are afraid of that word, but I, I try to have just a more neutral perspective that when people are deconstructing, they're really just thinking. Yeah. Exactly. About, about what all of this is. And if you look at it that way, I think you can start to build conversation and, and hear people rather than feel like I need to pull you out of this phenomenon or whatever, however we've labeled it. And so I feel like a lot of church leaders are not properly assessing what's happening and they're trying to, they see deconstruction as some, almost like some organized movement against the church versus there's there's gifts for the church within it because people are asking questions and there is um i think in some cases a prophetic voice that might need to be discerned in it yeah it's not always perfectly uh perfectly articulated and packaged in a way that's easy to receive it might come off very critical and harsh and condemning maybe mm -hmm. um but the, i think there is a prophetic voice in there that it's an invitation to purify and to get closer to maybe what what Jesus has for us in some cases. And so I think we need, just need to be open to hearing from people and, and walking with people in that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's true really of every generation too that, that wrestles with, and this can be in family structures, it can be in churches, it can be in all kinds of things, but that wrestles with growing up under a system of authority, which we need at eight, certain ages, and then realizing that we have our own, you know, autonomy and that we can actually ask questions on our own. And what do we do when the answers that we come to are different than the authorities told us? Yeah. Now, some call that rebellion, you know, some would call that whatever, whatever movement you want to look at in the past, um, the hippie movement, whatever, whatever you want to look at, anti-war, um, but now we're seeing that kind of right in the crosshairs of of the church, and uh, I think we I think we have to embrace it. I think it's something we, it, I think we need to be there to help people reconstruct, or I like the word reimagine better um, mm -hmm. what what faith actually looks like. You know, it's funny you talked about um, Cambodia a little bit, and what occurred to me in that was you entered into a culture where people were being the church after having left a culture where people did church. And doing church and structure and hierarchy and all that worked really well for a season, you know, in the Western church, certainly. Um, 
But I, I think generations coming after mine, like yours, are kind of saying, hey, wait a minute, we, we're missing out. We're missing out on being a people um, in community together, you know, achieving communi- community and mission and what that looks like. And it's, it's not an hour on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what has it been like for you as you've entered back into, you're in Southern California, you're entered back into the States and um, you found Communitas. You can speak to that in whatever form you want or not, but I'm, I'm more interested in um, what did you start doing as, as you were seeing your friends in this place and you were in this place, what, what was your response to that? Yeah. It, so we, man, so what happened was this was, this felt very desperate when I was praying it and thinking through it, but, um, because of how hard it was for me to re-engage what I kind of felt like I had to, or where I felt pressure just to, just to reconnect and kind of go back to business as usual type of thing, because that felt impossible. I just said, well, if you know, I was kind of thinking with the missionary hat. I said, well, if, if it was just me, Ashley, if we were the only Christians in town, what would we do? Um, and so then we started to think through more missional. That was sort of my way of, of thinking through missional rhythms. Like, what would that look like? Where do I hang out? What do I already do? And what would it look like to build relationships there? Um, I started training jujitsu at, at some point around here. And I just started praying like, God, you know, I'm, Show me what you're doing here. You know, what are you doing? How can I join you? Was was the prayer. Um, and I remember I remember praying something like, you know, God, I I don't want I don't want to like force this on anybody. I don't wanna I don't want people to feel like I'm baiting doing a bait and switch type of thing. And I don't wanna and I just felt like God's like, yeah, what why would I want you to do that? And I was like, Oh yeah. Like I think I said, God, I actually want to love these people if I'm gonna be sharing my faith with them. As if he wanted me to do something different. Right. <laughs> uh, he was kind of like, you know, those moments where I, I, I felt him respond to me and it was like, hey, remember that that is my heart, not yours. That, right. you know, it's like, oh yeah. Um, but that, speaking to that deconstruction, that's how I'd experienced evangelism was sort of this drive-by evangelism mentality. We drive out of our city and we tell you and, we'll, you know, that we leave and, um, you know, it's not, not a lot of relationship there, things like that. So, so there was that piece. And then, um, and then we just started meeting with people, uh, who we knew were disconnected, uh, meaning like they stopped going to church and our, our rationale was like, well, these people are disconnected already. So we can't, can't really mess them up. I don't think (laughs) doing something is, you know, not because to be honest, I wasn't really sure. Like, is this, is this okay to do kind of stepping outside of the authority structures that I knew. And to be honest, I think there was some concern with, with me. I don't know. What am I doing? Am I planning a church that, you know, what people wanting to me to answer those types of questions? Or I'm like, I don't know. I'm just getting people together. Yeah. We're just being the church. And that brought a lot of conversations up with the people around me. But, um, So we just started doing that. We just started, we met with individuals, we met with couples, started just hearing where they were at, started listening and just said, Hey, what would it look like if we just started getting together once a week, we'd be getting together on Tuesdays and that's shifted. What that has looked like has shifted over time, Mm -hmm. uh, as, as we've changed and shifted. So that's sort of what we, that's sort of what we did in our doing. Right on. So 
you know, the, the language we use in communitas, uh, is that, that first kind of process of embedding in a place, which you yeah. did in Cambodia, but you had to re-embed when you came back to home, you had to re-embed in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny because I think being in Cambodia, we, we were so intentional about everything that we did in going and being there. We did language. We lived in Cambodian areas. We we were so intentional on embedding. When we came back, we were like, oh, we didn't really, we don't really do that here. The way we embedded was just, I don't know, just what happened just by being around. And, you know, some of it happened organically, I guess. But we we realized like that we had never been that intentional. Um, we didn't really know our neighbors. Yeah. So after being in our, we moved back into our, our, the place we were at before we moved to Cambodia. 